0: testament especially righteousness comes hand in hand with justice and you can't can't have justice and righteousness and separate them like you know it it really matters what we believe it really matters that we're pursuing like you know the righteousness the holiness of god like you know um, in fact it says in the psalms twice actually that um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of god's throne
1: And welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and today I'm joined by Emma and Chris. How are you doing guys? Great, thank you.
2: I'm doing really good. I'm I'm loving what I don't think people can see. Obviously, if you're listening, <laughs> but Emma's wearing a rather fetching hat. That's just gonna. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm gonna describe it. I'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> it's a Mary Poppins hat. I was gonna say you look like Mary Poppins. <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think it's good. Is this a new look? Yeah. For you? you felt you need to go in a different
3: direction. I'm just direction? feeling, you know, super color fragilistic. <laughs> say it. I'm a terrible Mary Poppins. <laughs>
1: oh man uh, i think it suits you um really well emma and is this your way of like coping with the extreme cold how are you guys <laughs> doing with you know not so much snow but the minus nine minus ten temperatures
3: yes pretty chilly this hat doesn't actually cover my ears um so it's not really for warmth it's more for style um but yeah the the cold is pretty cold
2: it's like super icy just outside my house and I have no incentive to leave my house right now for fear of just falling over
3: oh my gosh I saw the funniest video yesterday of these guys filming someone (laughs) basically filming people repeatedly falling over in the same spot (laughs) and it was so funny to watch but then I also thought to myself afterwards They've been watching people fall because they know they're going <laughs> to fall, but not once did they get out of their car and say, hey, by the way, like you're about to slip over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and as someone who has been sliding down the street recently, you know, I I kind of w- wish they would tell people because I've been that guy <laughs> just like ice skating whoosh, straight down. So. Yeah. No, it's been very cold uh, recently, and so we hope everyone listening has been both keeping warm and keeping on two feet and not slipping over on the ice. So in today's episode, we'll be hearing from Church Planter, founder of Red Community and director of Manumit Coffee, Di Hankey. He spoke to Chris about the fight to end human trafficking and also rehabilitating survivors. Before we hear from him, it's time for Emma's Dilemmas.
3: Woo! Today's dilemma is... Would you rather be an unimportant character in the last film you saw or an unimportant character in the last book you read? So you've obviously got to think, what was the last book you read? What was the last film you saw? Would you rather be an unimportant character in which one?
2: I'm trying to remember film. film. Uh, do, do documentaries count, or does, does it have to be like a proper fictional film?
3: No, I'll give you that. Go on. What documentary did you watch?
2: So literally last night, I watched the uh, the Free Britney documentary, which was oh, so gosh. fascinating. Like my mind is like blowing. That's a, that's a whole other podcast there. But um, yeah, no, I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be in that because I don't have to be really be involved in the yeah. In the mess of it, I'll just be like. One of the people would be like, free Britney.
3: <laughs> 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 solid choice, solid.
2: So I think
1: um, for me, it will probably be the film. So the book I read was Where the Crawdads Dads Sing, which uh, is a really good book, would recommend it. But the last film I watched was Baby Driver. Have you guys seen Baby Driver? No,
3: no I haven't. Good
1: film. Such a good film. Um, and so uh, the premise is there's this um, guy who's a getaway driver for... Uh, bank robbers and he's got a bit of an interesting past you know he kind of he's he's a good guy and he's being forced to do it but it's basically the soundtrack to it is amazing Mm -hmm. and the movie is shot to the soundtrack so like everything they do is is in rhythm and in time with the soundtrack so that's why i'm thinking if i'm an unimportant character in that i could still be like just doing some rhythmic you you know me how rhythmic i am and how, (laughs) how much of a good dancer i am so like I could just be doing some like tapping or like whatever in the background of that film, and I'm glad that was the last film I watched because the film before that was pretty woman so um, <laughs> I'm really pleased that I actually watched Baby Driver, and I can legitimately say that that's the that's that's the one I want to be a. Uh, an important character in.
3: Amazing. I can't actually think of what the uh, last film was that I saw but on Friday night me and my friends are having a watch party and I've never done that before like on Zoom and Mm. we all have to watch the same film and the film that's been chosen is Animals and I have no idea what it is and I'm not going to (laughs) look it up before I'm just going to be surprised. So (laughs) I'm going to just go for being an unimportant character in that and hope that I haven't said something controversial.
1: (laughs) I I'm going to look it up. Don't, don't give me any plot spoilers. I've I've never heard it before. No. Me neither. Um yeah, so I've just looked up Animals. Yeah. Yeah, you're in for an interesting <laughs> time, really. Is it a horror movie? I actually <laughs> no, don't it's like It's not a horror films. movie. <laughs> I mean, I imagine there's a couple of films called Animals, so maybe I was looking at the wrong one, but uh yeah, it's um I'm not going I won't give anything <laughs> away because you're you're waiting to <laughs> To be surprised, maybe in the next podcast episode you can give us a plot summary and and maybe pull out some justice themes and what you learn (laughs) and the the theology of animals. Okay.
3: Well, the choice was between animals and honey, and I kind of would have preferred honey because like that's more my vibe, you know, dancing Jessica Alba. But yeah, they went Mm. with animals, so I'm excited to see what I'm in for.
1: Great. Thank you, Emma, for this week's Dilemma. If you're listening at home and want to submit your own, head to Fund on Instagram and leave us a message. Next up, it's What in the World. Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss the latest in news and current affairs. Emma, what are we talking about today?
3: Um, today we're talking about something close to home. So last week we launched some research alongside Youthscape, which explored how the church could lose young people over climate inaction. Although 9 out of 10 Christian teenagers are concerned about the climate crisis, only 1 out of 10 think their churches are doing enough about it. So what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, um yeah just to even context on the research, I think that this was all happened uh, last summer, so 2020, and there's about 630 young Christian teenagers who were involved in it. Um, so that's quite a decent sample, I think. And um, it was really interesting just to literally... I've been looking at the research quite a lot and, um, yeah, seeing just how many of them... Like you said, that that first statistic is, like, mind-blowing. Um, but even further than that, you know, there's, a lot of them were saying how actually... They are genuinely like thinking about can I do can I care about the climate while also being in church because my church seems to not care so much that it's like restricting what I can do about the climate which is like obviously an awful awful devastating thing to even be a possibility um but it's it's really interesting when I was reading through some of the statistics fifty five percent of them have never heard a church leader talk about climate change. Either like it could be one to one, could be in a youth group or in a small group. They just never heard anyone talk about it, which is like obviously devastating once again. Um so I think the research is really interesting because it just highlights how important it is not only that we're individually doing our bits, but actually that together as a church, as a community, that we do address these issues.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, we we know from this podcast and we know from the conversations we've had and the Emerging Influencers programme and events we've done in the past. You know, we, we know that there's a generation of people who are committed to making a difference and to tackling climate change. And I think there has been this process in the last five years where, where young adults and young people feel like they are moving two steps ahead of the church on it. And that gap only ever seems to be increasing. It's like the the more that we um, we push into it and try and make a difference, um, the further the gap between our passions and priorities, and then the church's priorities kind of um, kind of grow. Uh, I I was really encouraged by. Well, I say encouraged, but also <laughs> dismayed by the the line that came out of the research in terms of you know, young people are saying we want the church to lead on this. Mm-hmm. Like they're not saying we know it all, we we can do it all, um, we're all great here. They they know that this this is deeply rooted in in the teaching of Jesus and in theology and in the theology of justice. They know it's deeply rooted in that, and so they want the church to lead. They want to be led. And that's, you know, really encouraging to me. But also the dismaying part is, you know, that they're saying, if you're not going to lead, we're going to do it anyway. And if you're not going to do it, we will. Um, And that passion is both inspiring, but also that disconnect and absence of the church in the leadership of of this issue is is a concern.
3: Yeah, I think it's just so interesting because young people aren't leaving the church, but they're trying to live out the purpose of the church they want to be jesus's hands and feet and they want to see the church lead the way in that and they 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 want to be led they want to be a part of a movement they don't want to go out and do this on their own they don't want to do this in silo they want to do it in community Um, And I think it's just an incredible opportunity for the church to listen and to rise up and to really provide leadership and support in this area. But also to encourage young people to be leaders as well, Um, because I think there's that fine line, isn't there, between saying like, hey, church, I want you to lead in this area. But then also, actually, it's important that we encourage young people to be able to lead as well um, on these issues that they're so passionate about. And there's obviously a stirring Mm. in this generation for issues of climate. So I think, yeah, just really being able to be in tune with that and following their lead will be incredible.
2: 100%. And I love that. Like you said, there is that stirring. And it's not just this thing of like, oh, it's just a trendy thing to care about. Or this is what it is like. When you look in the research, 86% of them said they care about climate change because of their faith. Wow. So it's so it's like this is actually like a natural outworking of what they of what we believe as Christians and actually what we believe Jesus called us to do in a, in the time that we have and 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 like they mentioned a lot in the research as well. You know, it's not just about oh the world might end one day or my future might be bad. It's actually saying no people around the world, particularly people living in poverty, are being affected by climate change right now.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Great. Thanks for your thoughts, guys.
1: Really excited to see how this research could get the church to take more action against the climate emergency. And if you're listening today and you want to find out more, then simply you can Google Tear Fund burning down the house and that will pull up the research. Uh, or visit weare.tearfund.org where you'll be able to find all of the information you need or check out our Instagram at wearetearfund. Next up, we're going to hear from Di.
0: Uh, So my name is Di Hankey. I I do a couple of things. I'm a pastor of a local church in the inner city of Cardiff. Um, I also uh, head up a charity called Red Community, which is uh, a charity that seeks to raise awareness uh, about modern slavery and to provide support for survivors of modern slavery. And uh, I also am one of the directors of a coffee roasting business called Manumit Coffee Roasters, which exists to provide employment and support for survivors of modern slavery to help them to uh, get back into the workplace after the horrors that they've been through.
2: Awesome. So how did those three things kind of happen? What came first? Was it pastoral work? Was it red community? Was it Manumit?
0: So I was a pastor up in the valleys in my hometown. From about two thousand and seven, I started doing that. But in two thousand and twelve, the Lord really arrested my heart with the issue of modern slavery, mm. and I started. And I just started to get myself educated. Um, I didn't know anything about human trafficking, modern slavery. Mm. So I just started to like just research it. Started to get interested in it. Started um, a, a monthly prayer meeting about it. Got experts in to speak about it. Mm. And God just basically used that to um, kind of really. Um, lead me and my family back to Cardiff, which I guess in a, in, in a Welsh context, at least would be the kind of the epicenter of where a lot of that stuff is taking place or, you know, it's obviously everywhere yeah. in the UK, but Cardiff would be like where there'd be a lot, a concentration of that. Yeah. So, um, but I, I came back, not really kind of sure what, ministry was was going to look like on that level but one thing that i did do is i spoke to a, a lady in the city who was doing a lot of work with sex workers um both on the streets and in brothels and therefore with overlap with people that have been trafficked yeah. and i and i asked her what what the biggest need was in the area because what, what i'm a big believer in not doing is reinventing the wheel yeah if someone's doing something don't just come in at the cavalry and pretend you can do it better yeah i was just saying look where's the gaps you know what, what was needed and it was clear um, from her perspective that what was really needed uh, amongst other things for ministry to sex workers, but also ministry to you know people tied up in all kinds of other um, forms of exploitation yeah. was, was for there to be a loving community that they could plug people into um, a community that would receive them, would, would understand where they come from, would be sensitive and gracious towards them, yeah. but also could kind of share the gospel with them. And so uh, I said, is there, is there a church community? In, you know, in, in that kind of um, central part in the inner city part of Cardiff that yeah. you would feel comfortable bringing them to and she said no not really mm-hmm. so then I said well if God wanted us to plant a church to fulfil that kind of purpose among all the other things that a church exists to do yeah what, what do you think? She said, "Yeah, I think that's probably what God is telling you to do." So, the kind of the passion was there, the burden was there, um, but then the planting of the church was kind of um, what you know grew out of that. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in the local church, big believer that like you know you can't beat for all its faults and all its failures a community of men and women and children who are committed to trying to love each other through all their crap
2: yeah.
0: is probably a pretty good place to you know for other people to bring their own crap <laughs> we can
2: all deal with, we
0: can all deal with it together.
2: One hundred percent. And I guess like, I remember back like twenty twelve twenty around that time. I think he, the issue of human trafficking was beca- and like modern day slavery was kind of it was then getting more and more attention. Uh, w- one like why do you think it kind of w- wasn't before? And two, how would how did you find like getting Christians to kind of engage in that issue at that time?
0: All uh, right, so a. A couple of ways I'll answer that question. Number one, I think it didn't get pressed before that because we didn't know it was happening. Mm. Of all of the criminal activities that take place in the world, I do think that um, human trafficking, modern slavery, um, thrive in the shadows. Mm. They thrive in the fact that no one knows what's happening, even though it's happening in plain sight. It's not like... You know, if, if, if there's a stabbing on the streets of London or whatever people find out about it, it's clear, it's blatant there's blood, there's police called yeah. and, you know, and, and there's a hospital visit um, or a funeral and so it's there, whereas I think with modern slavery it's much more um, discreet and it flourishes in the shadows and out of sight is very much out of mind mm. the reason that I think it came to the surface uh, apart from the fact that I guess um, people got wise to it is that I think God wanted it to be brought to the surface mm. Um, I do think that God put it on the agenda um, back, you know, um, a decade or so ago, because I think he wanted it to be addressed. I think that any exploitation of any human being in any capacity is um, is an insult to to the creator
2: yeah
0: um i believe uh, it's a desecration of the image of god and i think god wasn't having it so i think he raised it and i think the church especially was being really good at leading the charge you know back to, back then in 2011 2012 the church was a a voice and a, and a light on the issue and that was really good the problem is like a lot of things it was vogue then mm. and so back in 2012, 13, there was a lot of people like, yeah, this is terrible. This is really bad. It was all over the press. Uh, the Christian press, especially was making a big splash about it. Mm-hmm. And Christians all got proper amped about it and got proper agitated about it and said, we need to, you know, we, we need to sort this out. But, that was until like you know the next kind of thing, then the, the next social issue yeah. came up. I, I think it was quite soon replaced by the migrant crisis, mm. and uh, you know not long after people were getting far more animated about the uh, you know the the uh, thousands and thousands of people trying to cross the Mediterranean yeah. to um, to flee uh, trouble in the Middle East and in North Africa. And I think that trafficking kind of still, although people know it's happening, yeah. it's definitely not as uh, on the kind of. It's, it's, it's not not in people's uh, vision as it was yeah. back then and it's, it's interesting as you know there was a lot of people started things but like those things just fizzled out this happens with a lot of social justice issues mm. sadly there's the kind of faithful few that keep the fires burning and keep the flag flying but um i wouldn't say that it's as it's as big an issue now as it was
2: yeah well it's interesting because i think it kind of goes back to what you were just saying about like if something's already happening why am i going to try reinventing the wheel why not join it? And I think what happens is a lot of people do like they'll still see the wheel and go, "I'm going to make my own wheel." It's like, you, really, if you were just concentrating on one area, maybe that would have been better. and It could have had longer legs. Yeah, yeah totally. Is that what you found with Red Community? Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah,
0: like Red Community was. Um, it started off as just a prayer meeting, really, because I just wanted to. Because I was, I learned very quickly that I don't know anything about this issue. Mm. You know, I, I even now I wouldn't call myself an expert. Far from it. But I think that there's two things that Christians can do to get engaged in any of these issues that no other um, secular agency can do. One is to share the gospel, and two mm-hmm. is to pray. There are two things that you know, if you if you know the, the people, the people of God, that's that's their exclusive weapons, mm-hmm. if you will. And I just thought like, the one thing that we can do for definite is pray. Yeah. So we just got this prayer thing going. But I, I also even learned with that real quickly that like people even lose momentum with that as well. Mm. So, like, in our first prayer meeting in Cardiff, we had about 24, 25 people came. By April, there was four of us. Wow. Um, and, like, you know, the, the energy levels just dropped and the interest levels dropped. And, you know, it fluctuated a little bit here and there. Mm. But, like, maybe maybe it's just a Welsh thing. You know, like we're, we're quite good at being pessimistic. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you almost, like, don't expect there to be loads of people. Yeah, taking. Yeah. You know, but I think what matters is that the right people... Just stay committed. I love that story in um, in the Gospel of Luke with the persistent widow that just kept mm. coming on her own, just banging the door, banging the door. And what matters, isn't, it's not so much about scale as it is about persistence sometimes with these issues. yeah. And uh, I guess I just want to model the persistent widow a little bit. I, just, I, I love the fact that Jesus holds up you know, the most unlikely hero when it comes to the issue of praying for justice. Yeah. It's a widow, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, he says be like be like her
2: 100 100 I, I was on the red community website and i saw there was a just like a little sentence where he said everything we do is grounded in the gospel and soaked in prayer i really loved that and i guess i mean in 2021 a lot of people like social justice is on a lot of people's radar i think partly because of the pandemic we're all kind of stuck inside and like what can i do from my house um And it's easy to get caught up in being like, well, I want to take action and do this and do that. But prayer sometimes is an afterthought. But like you said, it is quite important. Why do you think it is that prayer often gets this kind of secondary seat when it comes to justice work?
0: I reckon prayerlessness comes down to one of two things. It's either we've got a smaller view of God than we should have. Or we have a bigger view of ourselves than we should have. Should They're the agree. only two reasons for why we don't pray. Mm. Um, more often than not, I think it's probably a mix of both. Yeah. But I, th- I just think that we we back ourselves way more than we should, man. Like we <laughs> we want to be the hero. We want to be the one that like, you know is kick you know with the issue of trafficking, for example. We want to be one that's kicking doors off hinges and rescuing yeah. people and you know being the cavalry. Um, it's a bit like the way that I often hear the story of David and Goliath get preached man like you know we all, we all want to imagine that we're like David mm. like you know the one that's slaying the giant whereas I think actually in the story of David and Goliath Jesus is David and we're the guy on the mountain with our knees knocking together crapping ourselves like, I think yeah. that's like that's actually who we're meant to like you know be but I think we've sort of almost made ourselves the, the hero of the story and prayerlessness mm. is, a, is part of like trying to be the hero uh, I just think I'm very aware with an issue as massive as human trafficking mm. it's a you know it's, it's it's a global criminal industry that is brutal and savage and bigger than any, any one person, any one you know justice system. It's, it's, it's massive. Yeah. Like, I don't for a minute want to pretend that in my own strength I can do anything about that, yeah. but I do believe in it. I, I believe Jesus can topple giants, so that's why we need to pray. But like, sometimes we don't pray because we think that, well, we'll have a go at the giant first. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't end it, it doesn't end well man you know what i mean
2: it's always learning the hard way that you're like oh maybe i can't solve the whole issue yeah totally man and, <laughs> and god
0: god is gracious man like he'll he'll take us in our weakness it's often at our weakest that god is most
2: able to use us and it's when we're you know most cocky and self-confident that we often just get in the way yeah 100 percent i mentioned the pandemic briefly um Obviously, it's a huge global global situation for everyone. What kind of impact is that having on human trafficking? Is it making it worse? Are you even as like red community and what you do at Manumit as well, which we'll get onto a bit? Is that disrupting how much you can help survivors?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is. I'd say it's affecting things in multiple ways. I mean, firstly, it's sadly created new ways for people to be exploited, especially online uh, sexual exploitation mm. has like you know has just like rocketed um you know as people are just literally trapped in their homes with with their perpetrators mm-hmm. oftentimes and so uh you know it, one of the thing's a sickening one of the thing's about this issue as i've personally found hardest is, is it just has left you in no doubt that human beings will find new ways of doing disgusting things and i think the pandemic sadly has brought out the worst of humanity mm-hmm. in that sense um you know it's just like a, just a lot of that has just come to the surface um but also like just accessing help accessing support has become a lot harder for survivors as well um one of the things that we do through through rare community is we run a, a befriending project called uh, embrace and we, we train up uh, men and women to befriend survivors of modern slavery yeah. here in south wales and um it's just been really hard to kind of match people up to provide the training that's needed before you match people up and even the friendships themselves have been massively kind of affected by different lockdown rules one minute you're allowed to bubble with someone or you're, you're allowed to go for a walk with them the next minute you can't go for a walk with them yeah. and you know and uh, we, we've got to constantly be reassessing our policies like is it okay to recommend you know and so mm. even on the, even on that level just and that's just our little project I'm sure that all you know there's a, there's a plethora of different um, support agencies and, uh, and organizations that traffickers that trafficking survivors can access they're just not as um, on hand and, and not as easily accessible as they were. Plus, the yeah. isolation has definitely brought out a whole load of like depression and a whole load of anxieties. You know, as mm. well you can imagine, can't you? Like you know, just the one or two things that help someone to feel human. Like just just going shopping or yeah. you know uh, going to college and like you know just doing a course or something like that. When those sorts of things uh, are not available to you, and you're just left alone with your own head and, and your own memories. Um, yeah. It's definitely brought about, you know, uh, not not just for survivors of trafficking, pretty much for everyone, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, the, the, the mental health crisis is, uh, you know, is, is ballooning behind the yeah. scenes of the pandemic right now. But for survivors, especially, I think it's, it's particularly acute. And the other thing as well is that, like, our Embrace Project um, also provides small sums of money which we can uh, use to kind of help to provide um, different things that trafficking survivors might need. Mm. And there's been a huge increase in um, in, in requests for money for things like tablets Mm. and dongles and just ways of trying to sort of like bridge that digital divide because again a lot of people who are in that position, many of whom are asylum seekers they just haven't got the same digital portals that we do and that we take for granted and so that's just like it just increased the isolation as well
2: Yeah and you talked about Embrace in terms of like how it directly uses practical steps to kind of help survivors and Manumit Coffee does some similar things as well, do you want to talk a bit more about Manumit?
0: Yeah, Manumit kind of came out of Embrace, really. So, like, very early on in our Embrace project, back in about 2016, um, some of our befrienders who were befriending women said, look, the the ladies that we're trying to support, um, they really want to get back into work. You know, they haven't been able to do proper work since they were rescued. But for them, Mm because of what they've been through, the idea of doing a nine-to-five, five-day-a-week job is just too much for them. So could we... Find a way of supporting these ladies uh, back into work, yeah, and so, as the trustees, we just tossed the ball around a little bit of each other, and I had actually already been in conversation with Starbucks, um believe it or not, okay. uh, to ask them about providing barista training for survivors. Thinking that like it'd be really cool if they had some kind of a, a qualification or a skill that was going to be useful wherever they ended up living in the world, whether they stayed mm. in the UK or they got repatriated or just wanted to go to another country and have a fresh start. I thought everyone wants baristas, yeah. so I'd already been in conversation with Starbucks. Um, that those conversations fizzled out sadly, but um, so I just said, "Well, let's just set up a coffee shop in Cardiff. Let's provide training and you know and support and do a coffee shop." And I was already you know had my little kind of. Uh, project in my head but one of the um the trustees quite wisely said to me and said to the rest of the trustees that's not a good idea um it's actually a very socially demanding environment mm-hmm. to put someone in if they've been through some of the things that we know they've been through yeah. like they could you know multiple faces in and out all day potentially even a, you know a, a former client or you yeah. know a, a, a perpetrator coming in could be really triggering so like coffee shop might not be the best idea so I was like well what do you suggest and he said well why do not you try coffee roasting <laughs> so I ain't got no background in coffee man like I'm not a, I'm not a hipster I got no background I just like drinking the stuff yeah um you know the fact that I was like talking to Starbucks tells you how much of a hipster I wasn't um, so uh, um yeah so uh I had um I, I said well tell me how it's going to work he said well look it's quite niche. There's not loads of people doing it. You know, there weren't loads of people doing it in South Wales back then, back in 2016, 17. Mm. And, uh, he said, you can do it in a kind of a, a very self contained, you know, um, venue. You can, you know, have it as, you know, lock the doors or just, just keep people safe. And there, there's no sense of coming and going all the time. Yeah. And you could, and you could basically create a culture of grace, a culture where you get to set, you know, it being a, a place where there's joy, Mm. there 's forgiveness if if you mess something up you know there 's kind of understanding there 's hope we 're constantly trying to point people you know along the tra- trajectory of hope and not giving up and so we just like pushed a few doors, man, and they just swung wide open we We, we managed to secure a a really small industrial unit in our part of Cardiff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it costs cost about three hundred thirty, three hundred forty quid a month, something like that. Proper cheap. Yeah. Um, I mean, by London standards, that's oh quite yeah, ridiculous. I mean, I, I might move over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and we just, uh, and we just like started doing it, man. Like a friend of ours uh, had a coffee roaster that he was using in his shed. Um, he was roasting coffee for his coffee shop in his shed. Oh, wow. So we just said, "Look, do you want to stick your roaster in our venue? You can use it. F- you can have a venue rent free, and we'd have your roaster rent free."
2: Awesome. So for a
0: couple, so for a couple of years, that's what we did, man. That's and it was so a proper, cool. it was a proper sketchy setup. You know, <laughs> I look back now. You know, we we should have done it better than we did, but you know, it got us up and running. It, it, it got things going. Yeah, um, yeah. So we, we launched officially in June
2: two thousand and seventeen. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I was. I, I'm like a big believer in like sometimes you you start something and that's all that's yeah. what you've got to do you just start it and let the let the next things like come as they come
0: I just think that there's a lot of people right have got a lot of amazing ideas in their head but for whatever reason they never let their ideas get out take root and like just go and have an adventure with it mm. and that's been the one thing which would be my biggest both my, my, my biggest uh gift and my biggest challenge is that i'm not scared of having a go mm-hmm, yeah so so that means that i've done a lot of things that didn't work and a lot of things that were stupid and that i shouldn't have done mm-hmm. but likewise i've also done a lot of things that by god's grace you know took root and yeah. i think manumit and you know with, with manumit i gotta say as well like i couldn't have done manumit on my own like one of the other trustees a guy called nick He's a retired businessman. He gets business. Mm. I just get, like, you know, mouthing off about stuff <laughs> and, like, you know, sort of, like, raising a voice. Yeah. But he was very much the kind of the wisdom, the business wisdom behind it. Yeah. And it wouldn't have happened, you know, what, whatever idea was in my head, uh, it wouldn't have happened if Nick hadn't sort of, like, you know, completely backed me on it. And t- to this day, you know, we're the kind of two uh, directors that are overseeing it, and yeah. it's been amazing. Well, for sure. Um, I
2: mean, from the start of, like... What you've been saying, you know, you've talked about church community, you talk about red community, you talk about manual community, and I think that is so important. That is like you said, it's not just one person. It's not one person thinking. I'm David. I'm going to swing at Goliath. It's it's a whole bunch of people together. Totally,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. And I think that like there's an old African proverb which is if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm. And uh, I really do subscribe to that. I think you know community and like you know having people support you and to not like have bigger kind of a bigger sense of like you know self aggrandizement mm. than, than you should have, like you know just just know your limits man i i i I couldn't do anything like like I'm doing on my own yeah you know, i'm very and increasingly as I get older, the kind of more fallible, the more weak, and uh, you know the, the more limited I realize I am
2: mm. And I mean, you talk about like doing a lot of different things. So, like you said, you know, you, pl- you planted a uh, Redeemer Church in twenty seventeen in Cardiff, right? You've been mm-hmm. part of Red Community, Manumit. You've also you also perform spoken word here and there. So, you, you, I've seen that you DJ as well. How do you balance doing all these different things and making sure you give attention the right, like, the enough attention to each one? <laughs> yeah
0: and that's not including my wife and my four yeah, kids yeah exactly as well. <laughs> that
2: uh, I've got to kind of
0: factor in as well I mean with the DJ in, like I am a DJ historically and I, I used to be a club DJ but you know that's just like that's not something which is a big part of my life although it is part of what I can still do I still love yeah. my music um and i'll be honest with you bro i don't do it perfectly you know i mean uh, i i wish i had more time to commit to all of these things and when all the when all the plates are spinning well it feels like i'm living the dream mm-hmm. You know, i got all these different things going on all it takes is for one of them plates to start to wobble just a little bit and things can start to feel quite out of control yeah um you know and uh I think they call it the slash economy, don't they? Where you you, you say, I'm a pastor slash mm. coffee roaster slash author slash whatever. Mm-hmm. like, And there's, there's a lot to be said for that, but there's a, it also comes with a lot of challenges and head stress. And there, there are days, i would be honest with you, I wish I had one or two less plates spinning than I do. Mm. But I think the biggest thing is one, like just recognizing that you can't do any of them alone. So being grateful for the people that you get to do it with. Yeah. Um, so I'm, in my local church, I'm grateful for my co-pastor. I'm grateful for the members of the church who kind of just support bought into the vision and are you know, uh, owning it as much as I am. Mm-hmm. With Red Community, I'm grateful for the trustees. I'm grateful for our Embrace coordinator, especially Lauren, who just does an amazing job running that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and with uh, Manumit, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, Nick, my co-director, and my team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And with it all, I'm grateful to my family for being very gracious with me and like the, the kind of time that I invest doing things because you know I'm, I'm quite sure it comes at a cost for them at times as well yeah um but it's just asking god for wisdom and just and just recognizing that you can't do everything yeah. do you know what i mean I, and i think as well like this this might sound nuts as well not tying my identity to any of those things mm. like if the church i'm leading folds or if manumet folds or if red community folds that doesn't change who i am like you know i'm I'm a child of God primarily. That's why yeah. you know on my Twitter, on my Twitter profile, I took all the different things that I do off my Twitter profile a couple of years ago, mm. and I've just put child of God because I think I went through a season where I just realised all those other things are up for grabs, man. At some point, I'm going to stop being those things, but yeah. I'm never going to stop being a child of God. And so, as much as I love what I do, especially the kind of like you know the kind of stuff uh, with the church and with and with Manumit, like they're not my identity. Yeah, they're a privilege, and I love doing them. But they're not my identity, and they never will be, and they never should be. Yeah. And and when when my identity does get tied up in those things, that's when pride kicks in, and also like you know, just burnout kicks in. Because yeah. I'll start I'll start acting like it all depends on me. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it doesn't. Do you know
2: what I mean? That's so good. It's like, like I've had this so many times, where even like my like myself. I might ask a friend, or someone might ask me, oh, "How are you doing? How's things going?" And immediately, I'll start being like, "Oh yeah, work is alright." Is that? How are you doing? Not how's work going? How are you doing? Totally, <laughs> it's subtle, isn't it? It's so it is subtle. subtle. And you've spoken. We spoke a bit about the pandemic this year and everything that's come with that, and like the, the the pressure of that. And I know even like outside of that, you've like once described even just like church planting alone as kind of like this roller coaster of these ups and downs. How important is it for us as Christians and and Christian leaders as well uh, to to be addressing that, like we were just saying, to be addressing the reality of things, to be transparent, to be open with mental health? Oh, mate, it's just so, it's
0: so big, right? I I mean, I think, and I'm not an expert on how to handle a pandemic well, because I haven't handled it well. Mm. Last year, I I had pretty much, you know, as close to a a burnout or a breakdown as I've ever had in my life. So I can't say I've handled it well. I do think that like recognizing that like it's okay to like to acknowledge that you're struggling is really important, and for church leaders to model that, like I think, is really important um, because if we project that like you have to you have to you have to present like you're coping, like you're strong, yeah. Whereas in, underneath you're creaking, then that just doesn't give permission to any of the people that you're leaving that you're leading, either in a church or in a ministry or a business, whatever. It just doesn't give them license to say I'm struggling as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think as well the other the other temptation that there is in, in living through this horrendous pandemic is just to keep your head down and just look after yourself mm. and not, and not care about what's happening outside of your window and outside yeah. of your front door. And I think that's dangerous as well, because it, I mean, I I reckon that there is a loneliness pandemic mm. that, you know, I mean, this pandemic is exposed. I, I, I do think it's exposed a lot of the lies that have come hand in hand with this like drive for individualism yeah. and just sort of like living for yourself. And you know, just I, I just think that like we've seen more than ever our need for community, our need for family, our need for meaningful friendship, um, and for like just like you know, authentic relationships yeah. that that you know and where those are lacking we've really felt that lack but what I don't want to do is say well I've got a wife I've got four children mm. I've got a dog I've got four chickens two rabbits and a plethora of stick insects and so I'll just what I'll do is I'll just look after my little household yeah, and like forget everyone else yeah, like I still want to be able to walk down the, my, my local shopping street, look a homeless guy in the eye and say, bruv, let's get you something to eat. Or like, you know, um, look around my church on a Sunday and say, there's some people that haven't been here for a while. I, I better just make sure they're doing okay and yeah. not assume that they're doing okay. Um, you know, it's just being able to lift your eyes beyond how you're doing. For sure. All all the while acknowledging
2: that you might not be doing too well yourself. Yeah. And I think that's like, it's, it's all in the Bible. Like the Psalms. David is fully, he might have slayed Goliath, but he's fully in the Psalms, like crying out to God, like I'm done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally man. Like this struck me just last year during the pandemic. It's like, where's the Psalm that David wrote about killing Goliath? Mm. He hasn't, he hasn't got one he didn't write he didn't write about his victories but he's given us plenty of like um, Psalms from a place of desperation a place of despair bare questions and doubts and fears and insecurities Mm. and and I've actually found that with a pandemic there's books in the Bible that really came alive to me like never before the book of Lamentations Mm. the book of Job the book of Ecclesiastes and some of the more depressing Psalms I was like thank God they're in the Bible man because they're giving me language right now to process how I'm doing and if I'm feeling like that and I think I walk quite closely with the lord like i got a great relationship with the lord there's going to be people you know who perhaps don't feel as close to him or who don't know him at all who haven't got those things to and i I want to be mindful of those guys as well yeah rather than just like looking after myself
2: it really speaks to what you were just saying about you know we, we kind of get to this we get there's that option of looking so inward and just focusing on us and how we're doing but the reality is that the bible wasn't written just for people who were like living like a very cushy, comfortable life. It was written in the context where people were surviving, people were being hunted down, literally, yeah. Um, yeah, and totally. in prison. So mm. it's interesting that even though that's at the core of the Bible, that often kind of falls to the wayside, that kind of, that perspective. And I saw, I was snooping on your Twitter the other day, um, and I saw you you wrote something, um, which you, you were talking about how having adjusted, being a just in mind and Christian, from your from theological tribe is like a lonely place to be because there's like a lot of reformed people who kind of reflect justice as, as a flaky and liberal issue and there's many liberals who kind of reject theology as, as regressive and irre- <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> how do yeah. you, how, do you want to elaborate a bit on that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think that like there's a lot of people that really care about justice um, but generally speaking they kind of perhaps land more on the kind of like more on the, on the left side of things. Like they, they, they see need and their heart goes out to those people mm. and they really want to kind of like care for them people. Um, and then like, but like the, the world that I, I, I was converted into and the kind of Christian tribe that I would say I belong to is the more the kind of like the, the reformed kind of like, you know, con, small C conservative mm. world where historically, tragically and wrongly, they've forsaken justice. Mm. And, and it's just been a case like preach the Bible and that's all you do. Mm. And yet, like I can't help but be moved by the needs and the suffering and the things that I see through the eye gate. Like I got to do something about that. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's because I open the Bible and I read it. Um, and and yet, you know. I just find that like there's different tribes have different kind of like priorities. Like some people will prioritize justice. Others will pri- will prioritize like you know the Bible mm-hmm. or truth, and just try and walk a path down the middle where I'm saying like, I'm trying to be true to my biblical convictions. But part of my bibl- biblical convictions is like God really cares about justice. Yeah. In fact, He's really really keen that justice is done. And funny enough, I was just having a chat about that with my wife a few nights ago, and. I, I, it just struck me that like in throughout the old testament especially righteousness comes hand in hand with justice mm. and you can't and you can't have justice and righteousness and separate them yeah. like you know it, it really matters what we believe it really matters that we're pursuing like you know the righteousness the holiness of god mm. like you know um in fact it says in the psalms twice actually that um righteousness and justice are the foundation of god's throne mm. and so you know and i think that like I, I want to be vocal about both. I want to be pursuing both with a passion. Yeah. But it could be it could be a lonely place to be sometimes. There's a lot of people who aren't Christians who are like, die, we love what you're doing with trafficking and survivors and like and, and modern slavery stuff. But will you shut up about Jesus? <laughs> um, because like they don't want that component. Yeah. Uh, but whereas I'm genuinely like, look, you, you guys, you have to understand who I was before I met Jesus. Mm. If Jesus if Jesus hadn't done in my life what he's done in my life, I wouldn't care about trafficking survivors. Mm. You know, I would be, you know, I would probably be, you know, guilty of like, you know, um, all sorts of things that would have like, you know, prolonged that, you know, I I would have been visiting prostitutes probably. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, Jesus saved me. And so I can't shut up about Jesus. Yeah. But because he saved me and he's given me a passion for his word that when I open it up and I see that God cares about justice, I'm going to be, I'm going to mouth off about that as well.
2: 100%. And
0: people... And people people that want to stay in their churches and just have a nice little clean, crisp life where they don't roll up their sleeves and get engaged with the dirty issues of the day, mm. then I'm going to be provocative to you because I'm going to show you now the Bible says clearly we got to do something about this. Yeah. But likewise, people that just want to roll up their sleeves and get engaged, but to do so regardless of God, I'm going to be I'm probably going to wind them up as well because you know I
2: I, I can't deny that my motivation is the gospel. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's awesome, and it's great to see it play out, uh, particularly with your work in human trafficking. What what is next in that area for you with Red Community and Manumit? What what are some of the plans you've got coming up?
0: Truthfully, um, one of the most exciting things that's happened with Manumit is um, we were recently able to. Uh, there's a girl that's been roasting coffee with us for just over a year now. She's amazing. Uh, one of the most switched on people I know. You know and her story obviously is is, is tragic. Mm. And yeah, it doesn't change who she was and who she's. She's very intelligent, very driven. Has got a real heart for business. Mm. So we just a couple of weeks ago promoted her to sort of take on uh, more of a business kind of um, uh, uh, part of the uh, more of an administrative role in the business. So she's now doing all the order processing Mm. and is doing a lot more stuff like you know on the we've given her a Mac and she's like now doing a lot of that. So we'd love to see her really kind of get stuck into that and for her to take more of a lead in that and to sort of almost like delegate more of the responsibilities you know that that are appropriate to to the survivors that we can um and certainly I have no i have no desire to step away from manumit but there's nothing more exciting in 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 life or in ministry than delegation mm. like you know and i think it'd be the same in, in local church it's the same with red community it's certainly the same with manumit you just want to see people spread their wings and fly there's, there's another girl in manumit um she's uh, she's a real graphical genius and so she's designed a lot of our packaging for mm. us um and she's you know we she's identified that she wants to get more involved in the graphical design side of things. Yeah. And so we've, we, we got her an iPad pro and put her on a graphical training course. And like, you know, we want to help her to sort of get involved more in the kind of graphical side of things mm-hmm. and to take more of a lead in that and just seeing people. But then there's others for whom Manium is not where they're going to stay yeah, and they want to pursue other things like, and so, and we've seen people move on and do, uh, you know, amazing things coming out out through manumit and that's part of what it is as well it's just wanting people to spread their wings yeah. and fly and you know how how that plays out in many ways we'll just let god be the one that dictates that i think vision is important obviously and, but our vision is just to care for the people that you know come and work for us in a way which r- restores confidence rebuilds hope um honors the dignity of the people that come mm. you know uh, regardless of their background regardless of like you know what their aspirations are you know we just want to look after them care for them and see them like uh, achieve success and, and also to experience something of i guess the grace of god through the through the way that they cared for yeah i mean um certainly we're not like you know m- making it a prerequisite that people gotta come to church or nothing like that but we do want like our kind of the love of god to like, you know, rub off on them yeah. and for and for just the grace that we've received to be something which, you know, affects them uh as they work among us and then go on and do whatever is next for them to do. Yeah. Um yeah, and I think and we just, just want to get through the pandemic, mate. I mean with like the with with Red Community, the one thing I am this is my kind of my personal goal for Red Community for 2021. Mm-hmm. I want more people praying. Yeah. I want to get more people passionate about praying and to re- and to get people to break out of the mindset of this is just a token gesture, mm. and to recognize that this is the engine and if this if it's done work, then it ain't going nowhere. So just drumming up more prayer and getting more people engaged in prayer, I think, would be
2: huge. Awesome. Well, I'll be praying. Thank you so much for joining on the podcast. If people are interested in finding out a bit more about what you're up to with Red Community and Manumit, where can they find? Mind you.
0: Yeah, so um, Twitter and Instagram uh, are both places where um, Manumit is uh, probably uh, the, the main uh, Instagram account, uh, Manumit Coffee. And Red Community UK is on there as well. Uh, also on Twitter, um, they're both, I think, uh, at McCaffey and at Red Community UK. It's the same on, on both those platforms. And myself, I'm on Twitter, at Hanky. It's D-A-I-H-A-N-K-E-Y. It's a strange Welsh name. Um, so that's why there's no numbers involved because when you've got a stupid name, they don't make you put numbers in your, numbers in your Twitter handle. <laughs>
1: great hearing from Di there what did you guys think about what he had to say
2: yeah I loved uh, just hearing from Di and I think one of the things that stuck out in that conversation was how he was talking about we are not the ones who can change the world in our own power and he he says something really interesting about how we either think that we are like everything and it all falls on us or we get so complacent and we just do nothing but the reality is that God needs to use us work through us uh, to see change in the world Yeah, I really love
1: what he was saying about, um, you know, if you care for justice, it doesn't mean you're straying away from the Bible. The Bible is so clear on it that justice is a way of life for for any and all Christians, not just a missions department in a church, not just a social justice campaigner. It's for all of us as as Christians. And, you know, it's it's there in the Bible, in in Amos um, chapter 5, uh you know god says you know your services they're not enough your worship you're not enough i want to see rivers of of justice rolling um you know and and that's that's not devaluing worship and devaluing services church services but it is I i don't see how we can get a clearer message than that of saying guys the christian life is not just some cozy thing and it's all enough there needs to be justice and rivers of it. Um, and so I think it's really important that, that, that we know that the Bible prioritizes righteousness and justice. And I loved what Di was saying about that.
3: I really loved what you said about prayer and how it's not just an added extra that we do, but we have to be praying if we want issues like human trafficking to end. Often we can go to prayer as kind of a last resort. We want to just take loads of action and respond physically to the need. But prayer is the engine to seeing justice. Um, So yeah, it's so, so important and a great reminder.
1: Thank you, Emma and Chris, for joining me. And thank you to those at home for listening in. We'll be back again on the 1st of March with our 50th episode. 50, guys. Can you believe that? It's incredible. We'll be celebrating and looking at some of our highlights. So make sure you tune in. If you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at WeAreTearFund.